0: Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast. This is part three of our four-part series of going through the top 20 Eston plays in the 90s. It's been fantastic so far. Lots of fun debate. Uh, As you know, last week, uh, Grant had actually nominated Gary O'Donnell as number 11. So therefore, he won't be part of tonight's show. Uh,
1: Come on. See you later, Grant. <laughs> Tell your story, walking.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, no. In all seriousness, unfortunately, Grant can't make today's show. He's got no internet for five days, so uh, that's a bit of bad luck. But uh, wish you could be here. You're sure you'll be in the uh, in the five to one show. So like that.
2: Um, what was that show with Cornelia Francis where she goes goodbye? <laughs> oh,
0: <yeah.
3: laughs> what was right. it? loser <laughs> uh, <The biggest laughs> Yes, oh, yeah, um, yeah, I remember that one. No, nah, it was. I remember from prisoner, and then I remember. It was
1: she a mastermind a show, type right? show, wasn't it? Mastermind. Yeah, yeah, show. yeah, But she oh. she got
2: to piss everyone off when they annoyed <laughs> her So.
0: Well, that uh, as I introduce people, that's the beautiful tones of uh, Rowan Conley from Footyology. So, how are you, Rowan?
2: Hello, everyone. Good to be here again for part three of this extravaganza and uh, the 80s one. How many parts of that were there? I'm beginning two. to lose count. No, that was only two, two but so they were
3: both an hour and half long.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm certainly the full bottle of Essendon in the uh, 80s and 90s, yeah. that's for sure. So good to be here for part three of this one.
0: <laughs> Very much so. And, of course, uh, Neil, our regular host, Joins us. How are you going, Neil?
3: Yeah, great. Thanks, Scott. Um,
0: yeah, our our
3: meetings beforehand to cut the show down to a manageable time of forty five minutes has worked. An absolute treat. We've managed to get it down to an hour and ten. Both episodes.
0: <laughs> I've got, yeah. Well, <laughs> we this one. On this one might be a touch shorter because uh, we're obviously missing Grant tonight. So I'll still have his. Yeah. He's he's actually texted me his uh, plays from ten to. Six, So I'll still read those out and we can discuss them. And of course, our very special guest, Mr. Gary O'Donnell. How are you, Gary?
1: I'm very well, gentlemen, and uh, a pleasure to be back, Grant. Yes, uh, (laughs) hopefully we get him back from five to one, but we'll we'll see how we go. We'll see how I think uh, and then I'll let
0: him back. Yes. Now, Gary. Uh, Everyone can hear me, okay? Everyone can hear me, okay? Yeah. Oh, we, good. Yep, okay. We can hear good. So that's the way. E- interesting, Gary. I'm watching, uh, and Rowan will tell me off because it's the first time I actually watched it this year. But prepared to be angry, Rowan. I'm watching Footy Classified this week. Uh and Footy
2: Clickbait.
0: Footy Clickbait. And he, and there I hear uh, suddenly uh, Matthew Lloyd talking about yourself, Gary. So uh, he, they were talking about him starting at the Essendon Football Club and, and uh, Matty was basically saying that, and you can, you can convey this story. true. He, he got, uh, Lord, you, you yourself got Lloydy in a room with guys like Moorcroft and a few other guys who are recently just starting. And basically in no uncertain terms had let them know that this club plays preliminary finals or more. Uh, and he was talking about on Footy Classified how you had kind of set that culture straight away to the younger guys about what your expectation was and what the club's expectation was. And it was obviously relaying about probably more incident today about are they having that same expectation being told at the club? But uh, can you just share a little bit of light on on possibly that and, uh, and how that came about?
1: Yeah, I vaguely remember. Yeah, and and look, it would have been, and probably part of an induction to not only those, that group of five, it might have been, you know, each of the the number of years or a couple of years that the the new guys come in. Um, But yeah, I'm not sure about, I I think I said preliminary final better, but, you know, I think we walked into the footy club when I was at Essendon and we expected to be, um, or get the best out of ourselves and almost win a premiership every year. That was the expectation at the start of, of every pre-season. She'd created that environment so and, and that sort of culture. You no, know, sometimes we didn't have very good years, but generally we walked into the club every year thinking, we're going to win the flag this year if we do the right thing. So I think that was what we were conveying to the, those younger blokes as well. And you know, I think, you know, it's a... It's a Bigger competition now, isn't it? Probably would have been 15 clubs when Maddie Lloyd walked in the door, perhaps. You've got three more. You've got uh, greater equalisation. You've got some clubs that have done it really smartly, and they're the, the, the trendsetters. So, yeah. um, you know, and we've had our problems for, you know, for five, six years with uh, the well-documented case that we had. So yeah. it's pretty tough. But, yeah, back then uh, when those guys walked in and, you know, th- three or four of those guys were able to have really good success both individually and as a team as well at the footy club. so
2: That's, that's the, the perennial issue, though, isn't it, Gary? That the longer a, a club goes without real success, the harder it is to have a playing group, the leaders of whom know how to set the example because they haven't experienced it themselves. And I, I think you its sort of you, you develop a vicious circle and I think Essendon's been sort of stuck in that to an extent. Even the most senior season players in the Essendon playing list now, they haven't really had success. So it's hard for them. I'm not even having a go at them. It's hard for them to know what standards to set to the younger guys because they haven't actually experienced it themselves. Whereas yeah. the club you came into was already pretty successful, wasn't it?
1: It was, and probably when I walked in, Terry Danaher was captain, but probably six six blokes could have been the captain at yeah. that point. So yeah. I was very lucky um, as a young bloke walking in with uh, the, the state of the club.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's get kick-started. Look, I'm going to show you the updated list of our scores. So as we uh, can see here, and I, I, know that I know we also have an audio podcast, so just be, just excuse me for about 60 seconds guys so basically our 20 to 11 we've covered now I from starting from number 20 I had Calthorpe, Grandvold, Lucas, Alessio Caracella, Wellman Hardwick, Denham, Salmon and then Miss City at 11 Neil has put in Watson, Blumfield Caracella, Denham, Lucas Wellman, Alessio, Miss City, Hardwick, Buick and Rowan had Ezard, Madden Alessio, Watson, Kickett Wellman, Denham, Hardwick, Bomber-Thompson, Salmon. And then Grant had Kickett, Grenvold, Lucas, Somerville, Wellman, Carachella, Denham, Hardwick, Miss City and O'Donnell, Scandisley. So <laughs> uh, so that's kind of where we're at. So let's let's kick it off. Uh,
2: just quickly, there's one common theme there and I might be putting my neck on the chopping block here, but I have clearly been harder on the later generation of baby bombers than you guys have? Uh,
0: I think so. And then and yeah. look, there may be even a little bit with me and Grant, probably our ages talking a little bit as well, because we we probably experienced the 90s so much as as like from the age, sort of from 12 or 13 onwards. So we had a more of an understanding of the game, whereas uh, still uh, the old Madden stories of the 80s and late 70s are still kind of a you, you you remember them as a six or seven year old, but they're kind of still folklore a, a little bit in your mind. Yeah, you haven't really experienced it to the full extent. So I found those ones. That, I, it's funny when you mentioned Ezard at twenty; it's probably my one of my regrets. And go well. I think I think with the BNF and how we started the nineties, I probably would almost squeeze him in now.
2: Yeah. Oh, look, I was just going to say. I mean, it could be exactly what you're talking about. Um, it could also be that you're wrong. <laughs>
0: Well, <laughs> I'm kidding,
2: I am kidding. I'm kidding I've got to stop the deadpan humour thing Because you're taking me too seriously I'm kidding, it's all yeah. just opinion
0: There's a three-man show next week uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, Look, let's, let's start at number 10 I'll, I'll kick start off my one uh, Look, I've got Bomber Thompson uh, At number 10 uh, He was probably the player That moved around the most uh, I, I had such a high regard for Bomber Thompson as a person and player, but I guess uh, recently, just having a look about his career in the 90s, uh, I, 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 I kind of find uh, he's had an amazing influence on the younger players. That's, and that's coming from afar, and Gary can speak to that, but I always felt like Bomber Thompson was, uh, I don't know if the word spiritual leader is kind of word, but it, he was such a big influence on the club uh, as a person and captain. Uh, he's probably one of my favourite captains outside of the other 90s captain um, uh, in, in James Heard. And, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Uh, but yeah, Boba Thompson was obviously a fantastic player. Still very, very solid in the early 90s. Very dependable back pocket player. Uh, very cool under pressure. Uh, and yeah, I have him at number ten, so I'll go off over to you, Rowan.
2: Yeah, no, no. I mean, I had him at twelve, but everything you just said, I mean, he, um, you know, it, it ended fairly abruptly for him. He yep. had a series of injuries and a broken arm and whatever, and he retired mid-season. But yeah, captain the Premiership side and and yep. won a B and F in nineteen ninety. You know, so he, he played heaps of good footy in the nineties. No question about that. Uh, number ten for me, similar era, in fact. I always bracket these two together, mainly because they came off the bench in the famous 1984 grand final, but I've got Mark Harvey mm-hmm. at number 10. Um, you know, started off the 90s, in, um, you know, unfortunately in that the way he'd ended the 80s, which was injury prone and with obviously that issue with bulimia being a big factor in how he was going, but... He the way he shrugged that off from '92 onwards, moved to defence for '92 and was a terrific player then, and '93 to be effectively centre half, a very undersized centre half back in a premiership side. And don't forget, you know, like Gary can speak to this too. I mean, we talk about you know uh, how key forwards tend to be more mobile and not necessarily. Monsters now, but geez, back in the early nineties, they still were, and there were so many good key forwards, both full forwards and centre forwards. And halves had to play on some of the very best, and he was undersized, and he just managed to pull it off. You know, with great judgment, great reading of the play, uh, a real leader of that defensive unit, and just his example generally. You know, he like Gary became, dare I say it, a bit of a sort of father figure to that younger generation of baby bombers and. He played wonderful footy, I think, right up until you know the time he he gave it away at the end of '97. So um, yeah, Mark Harvey, my number ten.
0: And Mark Harvey, with his with his height, for me it was uh, he was <laughs> before it was kind of deemed illegal. He was a great exponent of mm. the chopping of the arms mm. uh, to <laughs> to, to, uh, to sort of counteract his height. Uh, he had a really good timing uh, on how to do it and and how to get the ball to the ground. So I. Look, I'll be very honest, he's actually my next person, so, so we're, we're not too far apart at all.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty close on it too. Um, might as well talk about Harvey. I had him matched at number eight, so I, we might uh, talk about him now. Um, I agree with everything you say, Rowan. The uh, amazing thing was that how good he was as an undersized player. The, not only the chopping of the arms, as you said, Scott, he was a great exponent of that, but also he had great body work. He'd always just get the arm... Around far enough to impede the jump of the taller player, but not uh, hardly ever saw him give a free kick away for it. So that was a fantastic thing. But the, um, you know, he won in 92 uh, BNF and was All Australian in 93. And I thought he was one of the absolute key players to hold the team together in 93 because you had uh, Fletcher playing as a first year player at full back and doing a great job. And, um, and, as you say, a very undersized uh, Harvey. He couldn't play that role, but it was more than just the negating side of course. He was an extremely attacking player and provided great run and drive-up half up, back, and that was uh, uh, really what uh, helped set up a lot of the forward thrust for the team. So I think he's a, a great player. And in some ways, I think, um, even though I remember the early part of his career was a forward and kicked 47 goals in, I think, 95, uh, to win the uh, goal kicking, um, I thought he was even a better player as a defender. I mean, the I really value, as you said, Scott, the talk about the uh, key forwards being the uh, the dominant players, but to have a, a really dominant key back is also a, a fantastic luxury, particularly was when he, so. Attacking. Was he
0: best in Ferris 92? 92, uh, yeah.
3: 92, yeah. yeah. And um, all Australian in 93.
0: Do yeah. I do I remember correctly his very last game? him almost daring to get reported. Uh, I've got this funny feeling I remember his last game and it might have been Jarman where I think
3: I think it was the, um, the Princess Die game out at uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Princess yeah. Park in 1997. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I remember him really having the arms going left and right around Jarman uh, to try to well, yeah, we'll trying to knock him mm-hmm. out I'm not really worrying about what tomorrow uh, might bring, but uh, it, was yeah. a pretty, it was
2: a pretty funny day, that one. I always remember a very fateful and, in hindsight, stupid remark I made to a group of Adelaide supporters. We were leaving the ground, which was something to the effect of, well, we won't be worrying about you this September. Anyway, <laughs> four, four <laughs> weeks later, I was glad I didn't run into them somewhere.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a strange day, that one, too. Uh, I remember hearing the news early in the morning, and the it was announced at halftime on the PA speaker. Everyone just presumed, of course, that she was going to be fine, and and you know that she'd go into surgery and 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 we'll all be good. And then at halftime was announced, and there was just this uh, uh, hush over the crowd, and nobody could really believe it. it was, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, strange emotional day because even after the game, you, then you had the emotion of carrying yeah. Harvey and off the ground, and and um, it, yeah. it just was a strange uh, day that will. Yeah, it's just strange memory, but a magic kind of a magical weird day. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, anyway, my number
3: 10 and uh, also was uh, Bomber Thompson. Um, as you uh said, Scott had a great uh 1990. I thought his uh playing career towards the end of the 90s wasn't as good as he was earlier. As you said, he had a BNF in 1987 before he uh broke his leg and uh, gave the mantle over to Gary with his uh. Um, little badge to uh, of the uh, sticker off the board that Shudi gave him to take his spot, and um, but really as you really summed up quite well. I thought it was his leadership and his uh, his ability to bring the team together that I thought uh, had as, as much an impact on the actual team as his actual playing. Not that his playing was bad, but uh, I thought that was a very important part of, of what he actually did. Yeah.
0: Totally agree. And look, just, just so people know, uh, Grant actually had Mark Harvey. So we've got two Mark Harveys and two Bomber Thompsons. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's funny how they're both kind of, uh, we've both thought, you know, tossed and turned between which one's first and which one's second. But yeah. fantastic. Both of them just fantastic leaders of the club. And, and, and like Rowan said, it's kind of magical that they both came off the interchange on, on one of the most famous grand finals. Yeah. Um, and,
2: and both played an important role. you know? Yeah, and, and they're huge.
0: huge. Yep. The energy yeah. level just uh, that Harvey uh, gave that gave the whole side was was pretty yeah. significant. I'm so. just
2: interested to hear if Gary can possibly come up with any other stories about either of those two guys <laughs> we haven't already told.
1: With um, well, both look both you could argue even that they could be higher in the top ten. They and you can hear me okay. I'm yeah, I'm not yeah. cutting out. Yeah, good, all good. Um, you said halves because so, both both those blokes are in the top. 20 of the champions of in all time. So mm-hmm. um, that's nothing to be sneezed at. Great players. Uh, as I've said in the last broadcast, um, Bomber was the, the you know, quintessential players. Captain, back us up and uh, gather us together and um, go in and fight sheets at times for us as well. He not only um, uh, with halves, not only did he chop arms, he actually chopped ankles as Well, he he had this technique oh, really? where he's playing on three in blokes who are three or four inches taller. He'd get close enough in the sprawling contest and throw his leg yeah. from left to right or right footer and actually take their legs out as well. So, um, that was how he was able to, to, to bring them down to his size. And, um, he uh, it was a great time because all these young kids are coming into the team, you know, Mercuri and or um, Ollerenshaw and they'd get into the back half, you know, chasing the ball or whatever, chasing an opponent, and we'd win the ball back. And halves would be straight away, hey, hey, get on my man, uh, and off he'd take. You know, he'd be <laughs> getting down the ground to try and get the kick himself. And he tried it with contemporaries as well. Hey, Donald, get on my. No, I've got my bloke, you stay there. But with the young blokes, he was able to get free and, and get down the ground. So, um, yeah, look, wonderful player. We were really different people, myself and Harms. At 18, 19 years old, uh, just chalk and cheese. He was a tearaway and he had a group of mates from out the keel away that were tearaways as well. And I was scared <laughs> off of them. Yeah, That's where I was mild-mannered. I uh, you know, wouldn't uh, bruise a grape and, from the eastern suburbs. But as we went through our footy career and you know, later on, uh, we became uh, pretty good mates. And then now, as 50-year-olds, or 50-plus, um, we get on really well. He's a, he's a really good fella. But Jesus, eighteen, nineteen, 19, we were so different. But um wonderful player in, in those early 90s for us.
2: And you, meant, you mentioned the pair of them in the top 20 all-time Essendon players. So you think, well, how can't they be higher in either of these lists? But it's simply because their careers sort of went from you know yeah. early 80s to late 90s, I reckon if we did a composite list of 80s and 90s, those yep. two, yep. You know, there wouldn't be, yep. there'd only be a couple ahead of both of them, really. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. They, both if you change
1: it, if it change it to 85 to 95. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, halves was, you know, in uh, 85, he won the World of Sport Player of the Year. Really? He didn't know it. And he was half cut from the grand, finally turned up <laughs> on a Sunday, and uh, thinking, oh yeah, it's just for the they want to interview me for the the grand final and he'd actually won the world of sport Lou Richards and uh, I think Harvest (laughs) was he still had uh, a bit of alcohol running through
2: his veins as well. <laughs> what what did you get? The patch uh, of orange juice and the Ballantyne's uh, chocolates yeah. and the, the Hutton's Yeah, hair? and the Polacco shirt yeah. the <laughs> as well. Uh, those it? were the days. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: So let's, uh, let's go to number nine. Look, this is a very easy one. Uh, and I'll say myself and Grant, because we've basically just swapped plays. I've got at nine Mark Harvey and Grant's got Bomber-Thompson Uh, at nine. So we're basically just swapping them over. So I'll I'll let you go to Rowan. Um. All right. Well, number nine, uh,
2: it's a guy a couple of you had him in last week's assortment. But um, a great player right through the 90s. Sorry, not right through the 90s, from the late 90s. um, And late, sorry, I start again from the late '80s <laughs> right through the '90s, and you then
1: of keep, course hung feel? around
2: long enough to. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, hung around long enough to be part of 2000 as well. I'm talking about Darren Buey. Um, okay. Thank Just yeah, we've we've talked about him, Marie. Just a, a wonderful player, underrated, I think, as a uh, you know, so seen as a goal sneak, but a, a really um, good ball winner as well. Beautiful skills, you know, good reader of the play, quite a, a solid build for a, a, a small player, so hard to knock off the footy. Um, and a smart guy, you know, and I think he's, I don't know, maybe Gary can address this, you know, I think Boris's um, intellectual smarts, you know, I think he's a reasonably cluey guy. I think that helped him in a football sense. It's really funny, just coincidentally, last night I was you know, going down another one of those internet rabbit holes you do and I was I was searching something up and I stumbled upon a video, um, it was an Essendon Footy Club show sponsored by Colonial Brewing that they did, this is in 2018 and I was co-hosting it with um, Scotty Lucas and Sheeds was on as a guest and we are interviewing Sheeds and something came up about Boris and Sheeds out of the blue just said, you know, I reckon I was too hard on him and it was interesting, you know, and, and it probably got back to that thing about, you know, hard um, sheets love the, the tradies and the rough as guts blokes, you know, Boris really wasn't like that. Um, so he felt like, he, in retrospect, he was pretty harsh on him. And he also said, you know, in retrospect, what a fantastic career he'd had. And <clears throat> it's absolutely true. I mean, he, <clears throat> he played 188 games through the 90s alone. Which puts him only second um, through games for games played in the '90s behind Gary. Um, so he's you know he's been incredibly durable, and even that's with a year out with that knee injury, mm. and played really high quality footy most of that time. So uh, yeah, wonderful player, fantastic recruit, and a uh, ripping bloke. Always loved Boris, so um, number nine for me. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's a good call. I could have easily even had him uh, even a spot too high than that. I had him at number uh, 11, uh, just a bit further back. But yeah, great player, as we said last night. Um, great to watch and uh, great skills. Um, he was one of those players that really lit up the side too, I think, when he, when he kicked at one of those goals and went on one of those runs. The, the uh, level of the crowded rise and the, the he seemed to lift the team as well. So a great player there. Um, my number uh, nine is Paul Salmon, who awesome. we uh, talked about uh, last night, a couple of us had him there, and I think um, Grant is having him coming up pretty soon. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I had him as number four. I think he was just about a unanimous number four in the eighties team, so he slipped a bit back in this. Um, but I had him higher than uh, ones like Thompson um, and Buick because I think uh, playing as a key position player, as a full forward as well as a lot of time in the ruck, he was the uh, leading goal kicker. And I do value a lot of the key position players at times over the um, over uh, more flankers or, or winger type players um, because of the responsibility they have to do to really lead the team. Um, he uh, kicked uh, 65 goals in 93 in the premiership year and uh, as well as playing a lot of the time in the rough there. So I thought uh, his efforts through the, through the 90s were just above some of the other players there and uh, yeah, picked him at number nine.
0: A bit funny with Paul Salmon because I, I always think if, if he actually remained at Essendon and had the, the rucking career that he did at Hawthorne, but at Essendon in in later on in the 90s, he would be right up there uh, yeah. he was a sensational ruck for Hawthorne. Yeah. Uh, so as a player still in the 90s, I actually he was incredible. But obviously, we're just judging it on just his time at Essendon.
2: Well, but I want to I ask Gary this one because we we had we talked about this last week about Salmon as an 80s player. I, I really doubt. In a way, he had to go to Hawthorne to play that role and. Um, Sheed's might say differently, but I really doubt if he stayed at Essendon, if he would have ever become purely a ruckman, because mm. Sheed's, and look, it's it's a strength, but it can also be a weakness. He just wants a piece of everything, Sheed's, and I doubt that Sheed's would have been totally happy with Fish being only a ruckman, which is what Fish desperately wanted. Do do you agree with that, Gary, or not? Yeah.
1: Totally correct. He would have been, he would have played the same role, and you've had you had Peter Somerville still, you know, playing uh, in the ruck, and then you had an emerging Steve Alessio as well. So Fish would have would have only okay. been a part time ruckman still. Sorry. So to and probably with Buick, Sheeds was hard on him, saying so because Buick wanted actually to play a bit more mid than he did as well. Mm. So. But, um, yeah, it was, Sheeds just played different blokes in different spots and, you know, swapped them around. Because you were watching the 93 prelim final the other night and uh, the replay of it and she's just looking at the board and the board's just going, the magnets are just going everywhere. Guys bobbing up forward, they're bobbing uh, down the, the back line. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Paul would have stayed up forward, I would have thought, more, more often than not. So, he, he, he just, he had to go somewhere else, he, in that case. Um, Wonderful player. uh, As I said, grew up with him uh, in our junior club. Uh, No wallet. I've already mentioned that. He, um,
0: (laughs) Gary, Gary, just just a quick question, Gary, were you in that game with the, the Eagles, the, the the jacket waving where he had, had the one goal, kind of the one goal eight. Uh,
1: Yeah. Well, it was, it was about, he missed about five, five in a row and Mm, every bloke was going up to him saying, you better kick this. You better kick this. I'll, I'll feather my own nest. I actually went up to him, you know, pat him on the bum, said, Mate, you are the best kick in the side. You'll kick this. And he did. But I wasn't thinking that at that point. (laughs) I was not thinking that. I was was thinking you're the worst kick in the side. But for the the big bloke he was, like he's a rangy, huge man, for him to have. Uh, the accuracy and goes through some really good times with his goal kicking is testament to him. He was, mm. he was, he was a better kick for goal than given credit because he, you know, you know, he had the ball, the ball drop, the ball drop it just had yeah, to be, yeah. um, so much different to some of the better players, yeah, the better, uh, full forwards. Uh, you know, that,
2: the, the, that, um, forwards. that West Coast game was also halves 150th. The only reason I remember that is because it was that week I did the interview with him about his 150th, where he talked about the bulimia. So there were a few sort of paths crossing that day, and it was, uh, and it was also um, just from a journalistic point of view, it was also the day where Mick Malthouse famously nearly punched the absolute crap out of Daryl Timms from the Herald Sun. Um, Timsy wasn't a, Yeah, Timsy wasn't a, uh, and Mick didn't have a great relationship. And uh, Timsey asked Mick, and Mick was filthier even than usual. And Timsey asked him a question after the game about something and Mick sort of brushed him off. And Timsey muttered something under his breath. And Mick thought he'd said something differently. And as we all began to break away, uh, Mick has grabbed him and basically shoved him up against the wall, you know. And Timsey's looked around for all the other media blokes to support. we all scattered to the four <laughs> winds, you know. <laughs> and eventually, a West Coast official dragged Mick off. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty it's pretty fiery post match that day. There was a bit going on that afternoon. Half eh?
1: huh. not... actually had the ball when the siren went. Too. That's
2: right, he did too. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Sort of threw it up to himself, and uh, that was the was that the day she's he was she's yeah. done
2: the jacket, too, yeah. So, and uh, that's he's, the the, he's, the famous, yeah, <laughs> I got engaged in this conversation again last night. The famous shot of Shades coming out of the box with the jacket. And if you pause it at the right moment, there's a bloke in the background who is the most haunting looking. I call him the face yeah. of death. This guy just is <laughs> yep. abs- you, you know, the guy I'm talking about, you can <laughs> check it out on the video. Yeah.
1: He used to sit in that spot in a lot of games at the MCG. The same bloke. I reckon he's in a lot of finals games too. S-
2: scary looking dude. Every time I see him, it freaks oh. me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Just, just like, bit- you oh. mentioned oh. Boris as well. Like obviously, his his final series in '93 was very good as well. Um, mm. he, you know, I think about twelve goals, six in one game, and. You know, if we were to come back in that second half in the Premier League final, we needed to not miss, and it was just we we're so lucky that he kept getting the footy, either on the run or for set shots, and he and he rarely missed. And uh, yeah. that day, kept kicking the goals. We kept getting the momentum, and yeah. if we had a miss, yeah, Adelaide get the ball back. Uh, we don't. We don't claw back the seven goals.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Just a last little one on Paul Salmon too, talking about his role. Uh, I looked up his stats for Hawthorne and he hardly kicked any goals at all from the time, for the whole time he was there. So um, I didn't actually watch <coughs> Hawthorne that closely, but I'd imagine he was really a plain ruck and, and going to interchange bench, whereas at Essenham it would have either been 70 30 or 30 70 forward and back. So it was really a, a quite different role he had at Hawthorne.
2: I tell you what, there'd be there'd be very, very few people. If any, or maybe I can think of one other one who would have got in two different clubs' teams of the century.
0: Yeah,
2: um, yeah. I think Greg Williams might have, and there, there might be there might be another one, maybe Ian Stewart or someone like that. But they're pretty few and far yeah. between. Yeah. So
3: that well, says enough, really. It's testament to how good he was in the rough that he could do it with just five seasons at Hawthorne. Yeah, so uh, quite amazing. Yeah. So let's yeah. uh, let's
0: go to quickly uh, number eight because. Uh, Look, as we're talking about Darren Buke, he's actually my number eight. So uh, I'll make that short and sweet because we've been talking about him. Uh, so I'll go over to you, Rowan, for your number eight.
2: All right. Um, a younger bloke came into the side uh, 95 um, as a, a very young, fresh-faced kid and became one of the greatest spearheads of all time, talking about Matthew Lloyd um 81 games in the 1990s mm. leading goal kicker 97 with 63 98 with 70 99 with 87 obviously kicked 100 for the next two years after that um just a wonderful player from the moment he came into the side you know initially uh played more and a half forward flank from memory uh even in that position he kicked a couple of bags but um you know, as soon as he got a little bit stronger and could hold down that key position permanently, he was just an absolute gun. You know, beautiful kick, great lead, you know, good reader of play. And, um, you know, a really... And, you know, you can't underestimate the importance of this. A, a really solid citizen, you know. And so where you had guys like Gary and Bomber and, and halves, you know, you had this next generation come through and, and Lloydie was a, a perfect leader of that Next generation. So the perfect player for the perfect time. He's played half the decade but still perform well enough to, yeah, come number eight in my top 20.
0: I, I still mm. remember a bit of a breakout game that he had. Uh, I think it was Princess Park. Yep. Guess, Adelaide. Adelaide. Park. Yep. Yeah, Park. Yeah, yep. it was, yep. just,
2: it was yeah. just... He like, kicked it, five, I think.
0: Yeah. I, I thought he kicked seven. I had seven. Oh, in maybe my he did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was just... Yeah. I was there and, and it was just... You could just tell. You go, oh, this is. It was reminding me of a, a famous James Heard fearful or Waverley Park against Hawthorne game. It was just that kind of that, oh, okay, you you're. Broke a head yeah, you Yeah, Mind you, mind you Scott, talent. you
2: did also say that about Cole Rumors after that Gold Coast <laughs> game. Well, he was. Uh...
3: No, he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> yeah, I remember that game at, uh, at Adelaide as well, and that was what I was going to. I remember one Marky took, uh, in that game, we were uh, down at the uh, uh, whatever the, the scoreboard end, Good and he just flew yeah. over the back of the back, yeah. And it uh, came from about four deep and, and took it on his chest, and I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. And As you say, Rowan, at that stage, he didn't really have the, the strength to, uh, to really hold his ground in marking contests, but he had an amazing leap, which he didn't really have as much later on in his career, but he made up that with, with the increased strength. But, yeah, great player. I'd him quite a bit higher, actually. I okay. uh, really rated his, uh, the contribution that he did make through the 80s. So. Um, what's your, what's your number right yeah? Mark Harvey. Mark so, Harvey. I think we've uh, talked about him pretty well. Yeah, I uh, okay. think I've rated him higher than just about everybody else here. Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, as I said, it was the, uh, I really valued the performances that he did have at, at centre-half back. Uh, I thought he was more than just a uh, held down his position, but the fact that he was an all Australian centre-half back really at yeah. his size speaks testament to to how good he was and, uh, and the contribution he's made. So.
0: And just quickly, um, just quickly, Grant had uh, Darren Buick at number eight. Okay, yeah. Yep. Thanks, Grant. I'll over to you, Mr G-O-D. Well,
1: Lloyd is the, the only new one that we haven't spoken about, and he... Uh... I think he the the club did the champions of Essendon around the turn of the century. So you know mm. maybe late nineties, maybe two thousand. He's made the top twenty-five on about four years of footy. So yeah. that you know it just goes to show what influence he had in the nineties uh, on the club. Uh, magnificent hands. Um, full forwards. Uh, are, I reckon they're really uh, they've got it easy because everyone's kicking it. In in you know early in his career, I suppose it changed a bit as as the game evolved, and you get you know team defence a little bit towards the end of his career. But certainly to be on the lead and have a fullback steaming down your you know down your neck uh, like a Mick Martin and all that blokes that just want to punch you in the back of their head, and to be able to you know notwithstanding worry about that, just be able to take the ball cleanly. He was. He was very, very good. And look, walked into the club, really respectful, humble, uh, driven and a sponge, wanting to learn things. So uh, a wonderful player, wonderful person that's come through our footy club. And uh, yeah, hopefully in the future, he's got a big media career at the moment, but hopefully in the future we can use him in some way that won't, uh, when, that won't sort of contradict or co- conflict with what he does in the media.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, And just a a bit of a memory for you, Gary. Was it his second or third year he had the uh, 13 against Sydney at the MCG? I remember like Plugger at the other end after the game um, uh, talking about Lloyd. He kicked, I think he kicked 13. uh, Yeah, I think that was
3: 99.
1: Think, Is it not? Yeah, I think I think it's 90. Was that a bit later? It was a bit I'd later? Left. Was it? Okay. I'd left as well. I'd left okay. as well. So yeah. Um, and you left in 98, yeah. I think, didn't you?
0: And uh, that's a very, very a, yeah.
1: good, very, very good kick too. So yeah. He was one that he's probably and he worked on his craft just like Lucas Scotty Lucas. He worked yeah, on yeah. his craft to get it right. And you go into a game. There's no secret. You go into a game with the confidence you've done the work. Uh, and you're really comfortable with your routine. And, you know, he got um, criticised for all this, you know, mm. throwing the grass up underneath the roof. But he was a beautiful kick. And he's, uh, he probably, uh, he's only second to Tony Lockett. Tony Lockett was the best kick for goal, a set shot I saw. Mm. Matty Lloyds, <laughs> he's right up there with him as well. Well, I think but,
2: the, the figures back that up. I'm, I'm yeah, pretty sure yeah. Plugger, you know, with a minimum of, I don't know, say, 400 goals or something. Pretty sure Plugger's number one. But I think Lloydie's not far behind him. Mm. And what he had
1: was a... Plugger, Plugger, didn't kick, Plugger didn't kick huge bags against us. I'll tell you a story. We played, um, played, a, played St Kilda in a practice match up at Corowa or uh, somewhere, up at Chuka somewhere. And he kicked St Kilda beat us in the practice match. But it was late 90s, I reckon. I'm sorry, late 80s. And Plugger's kicked 13 straight. And he's ticking from everywhere. And he went off at three-quarter time. So he played three quarters and kicked <laughs> so 13 straight. It was just a handy an, game. Impec- an impeccable goal-kicking, um, well, clinic.
0: Uh, t- t- yeah, sorry, go on.
2: Oh, no, well, it's about Tony Lockett. I probably shouldn't even bother. But, I mean, they're talking about how people um, develop as they get older. I mean, Plugger, you know, is famously gruff. Um, particularly to the media. And I, I remember in 91, after he kicked his 100th goal, I was doing that game and we interviewed him afterwards and he sort of stomps out the metres and he goes, all right, short and sweet fellas." You know, we were asked, <laughs> we are about three questions. And then just a couple of years ago, um, I think it was 2017, late in the year, he got inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. And Mark Fine and myself were covering the night on SVN. So as people got inducted, they were being brought out to speak to us. And uh, I thought, you know, I had an idea he'd sort of mellowed a bit, but uh, he came out and he just did the best interview with us to yeah. the point where, you know, I started pushing a bit to, towards the end and I said, yeah, look, don't, don't hit me, Plugger, but you're a pretty intimidating bastard when we spoke. And he said, oh, yeah, look, sorry, mate. You know, I was just, but he was a, a, yeah. a fantastic interview yeah. subject and really affable and I was so glad to see that he changed like that because, God, he was a fantastic yeah. player.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, do you remember the incident with Brad Fox at, at Waverley with the with the headlock? That's uh,
2: one of oh yeah, It was dangerous. Sorry again, at the risk of doing it, that was my story. That was my story. It didn't it didn't come out. Um, that story. So it was a Sunday game at Waverley. Um, you would have played McGarry. Um, and I was the I was the closest
1: player there.
2: Yeah. Well, what happened was, I, I guess the statute of limitations is. Finished now. Um, we had a few of us on a Sunday. I had uh, lunch with um, it was Danny Corcoran and another. It might have been David Whedon during the week. And they said, "Oh, you know, you know, Brad Fox nearly died." And we go, "Oh, yeah, go on." They said, "No, no, seriously, he, he turned blue. You know, we we thought he was dead." Wow. And um, and I thought, I don't think I've read anything about that. You know, so ranks and Kilda about it, and they were very you know they were shitting themselves and it got out you know anyway we ended up getting a pretty good story out of it but yeah like he, he dead set
1: nearly killed him i right? couldn't so- i was the closest to him and he it dead set. he was he was turning all sorts of purple colors and the quote i was playing on steve clark who played at S F- yeah. and he gone and killed yeah. and
0: yep. he wouldn't let
1: me get to like we were wrestling i said i've got to get it gotta to get to him gotta to get to him and we come out after the game and our wives are in the like the dugout or the, the general the common area at, at Waverley and Steve kike has got scratches all down his neck and it's me like clawing at him to try and get past. And his wife's going crook at me. I said, "Well, I had to. I like, plugger was almost going to kill Foxy, and I, I didn't get to him. I, like, it was I was too late. So, uh, so,
3: so what happened to him after that? Did, did he was he taken off the ground or anything? Did
1: he... he may well have been, but he came good. I think he. I'm, I can't even remember what stage of the game it was, but he, um, yeah, he it was. He, he wasn't going to let go in a in a in a hurry, plugger, that day. Well, they, the
2: last couple of years. Him. Yeah, the, the last couple of years Plugger played at St Kilda, he was an angry man. You remember, 94, he broke Peter Caven's jaw and drilled the ball at old Kenny Williams <laughs> behind the goals, the Sydney <laughs> supporter. Yep. And there was a game in 93 yep. where uh, St Kilda played, I think it was Sydney, out at Waverley, uh, which I covered, and he picked up uh, Tony Melachella, Spiro's brother, and yeah, you know, he was about a third of the size, and just about killed him as well. He was just like <laughs> you wanted to give him a wide berth in those early nineties. Plugger, he was an angry man. Uh,
0: now, just to rein it in, uh, have we done? Have yeah, we all done number eight? Yeah. What's the subject? Again? Uh, oh, oh, did, you, yeah. did you do ground? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, done, that, we, we did. grant part. He had. He was Buick. Okay,
2: so you're up to seven. Yeah. Sorry, seven. that that was my fault. Sorry.
0: <laughs> that was my. I started
1: uh, the as fault. well.
0: Uh, look, uh, I'll start off with Grant because he, he had Paul Semen at number seven, he, and that's a bit of him shouting him lunch. So that, <laughs> you know, you, if you if you if you're nice to Grant, he's nice to you yeah. uh, if you know him oh, well. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, look, I had uh, who did I have um, at number seven? So oh, I had Gary O'Donnell. So. Let me talk about Gary O'Donnell. Uh, this Probably. one was a hu- So I, I went back and forth. I'm, I'm going to be very transparent. I went back and forth between lloydie and yourself. And I, and, I, and I found it really hard because Lloydy obviously had uh, only you know, like a, a sort of a four-year kind of 90s, uh, four or five-year kind of 90s career. Um, but you also know he's kicked 80-odd goals, 70-odd goals, <laughs> and, and, you know, became, on, became actually champion of the club but then my biggest, I guess, uh, issue was that you also, Gary, uh, had a unique kind of uh, uh, stat where you were top three in the best and fairest for six years in a row. And yep. and, that, and that's all in the 90s. And that's, that's a pretty incredible achievement. And, and to be best and fairest in the 93 actual grand final side speaks a heck of a lot. Uh, For me, when I think of Gary O'Donnell, I think of cool, calm, and you know you're going to get a reliable performance. Uh, And and that's how I kind of saw Gary personally uh, as a fan. Uh, It was like there's some plays you just didn't worry about. You knew they were going to turn up. They knew they were going to be switched on and perform. And that's what, to me, Gary O'Donnell was. And Gary obviously had the unique ability to be a free alone midfielder or a tagger and accomplish both in, both uh, at close to an elite level. Uh, so it did- and, and, and a
3: defender too when he started off. Yes, exactly. And,
0: and, and even better with the story is the three or four years of breaking through the VFL side that makes it even more special when you're talking about that six years in a row of being top three in the BMF and then being captain uh, 96, 97. I hope I've got those years correct. Uh, uh, wonderful general for for the club. Uh, I think one of the most respected people when you're talking amongst fans. So if you mention the word Gary O'Donnell, uh, the Essendon fans are very, very emotive. I mean, you, you we're talking about Paul Salmon appraising him and he gets booed off his last game. They're very emotive. Uh, you know, you talk about the Stantons and these guys and. Uh, but Gary O'Donnell, no one as I know, when I speak of him today, has a bad word to say as a personal player. And and uh it was tough to put you at number seven. I, I was between seven and six, so I'm sorry if you're offended. But uh in all in all sincerity, uh it's a privilege to one have you on the show because uh you're a person of, of from a fan of high integrity but of high skill and, and and just a fantastic player for the Essendon Football Club. And that's, that's my little uh, honest approach. So, I'll go to you, Ron.
2: Jeez, your top six are going to want to be pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, it's James heard four times, it? Actually, I just
2: want to ask Gary if he's got any comments about Gary O'Donnell. He's a pretty good player. No, no, I'm kidding, Gary. I'm going to give my number seven first. Um, I'm uh, correcting the um, shocking injustice that I think it was Grant inflicted on this man last week when he couldn't even get him in the top 10. Uh, my number seven is Smokin' Joe Massidi. Actually, that was all three of us that couldn't get him in the top yeah, 10. Yeah, well, you're, you're all right. You're, you're, you're again, the <laughs> 140 games in the 90s, which puts him fourth as far as numbers of games played in the 90s. I think i, I take your point again, Neil, about he had a couple of years after 93, where he wasn't to his best. However, I would argue that even uh, slightly below his peak, Mercedes is still a player that's guaranteed to pick you up a lot of the ball every week. Well, well he
3: certainly did have a pretty good stats season 94 yeah. and 95. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It wasn't and, like and it was terrible, years.
2: Yeah, and um, for me, it's as much about that um, durability and consistency of performance. You know, he was consistently among Essen's best players from the moment he came into that side, right through until, you know, early 2000. Mm -hmm. So, he was a critical part of anything Essendon did in the 90s. A ball magnet, beautiful kick, smart player, um, lovely guy. You know, we've said all this already, but uh, I think he was an absolutely terrific player, outstanding player. And um, the longevity for me, you know, I think, again, you know, not too many guys played right through the 90s so for me the numbers of games he did play in the 90s becomes pretty important and he is behind only Gary uh, Boris Buick and Peter Somerville in terms of numbers of games played of anyone mm-hmm. so given that and the quality of his performances uh I have no problem whatsoever making him number 7 yeah
3: uh, after actually listening to what you were saying, um, and particularly Gary as well, both of you, the, the praise you give to Joe, I, yeah, uh, if I had my time again, I probably would have had him a bit, of, a bit, bit higher as well. Maybe not quite as high as seven, but um, no. s- certainly in the top 10.
0: Rowan's um, definitely wrong on this one. We've got to stick together, mate. We've got to stick yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been he's been <laughs> hound, he's been hounding us for, for about yeah. four episodes. We've got to we've got to stick to our guns. <laughs> well, well that's true. No, yeah, I'll no. let I'll let
2: you take a whack or two. It's okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 yeah.
3: Terrible decision, Ryan. Don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. And <laughs> Gary doesn't know anything either. <laughs> yeah. The, um um no, yeah, as you said, even in his bad years, when I say bad, it's all relative, but i still weren't Terrible years, as you said, but he, uh, he still did rack up the positions. And he was, as we were talking about Caroushella uh, uh, in last week's episode as well, he just had this uh, amazing ability to find space and just a fantastic kick. One mm. of these guys that uh, didn't belt it anywhere. He, he really lowered his eyes and picked out targets and had a really great touch on his kicks. And that's, uh,
0: that's something that uh, very few players can achieve. Could, um, oh, sorry, you go, Neil. Sorry, sorry finished? No, no, go on. Oh, I was, I was, it's only if we're going back to Gary. I was just going to ask him a question.
3: Oh, well, I wish I was going to. Go for it. You go first. Because my number seven, uh, obviously, it was a little bit uh, higher than uh, Rowan's got him, but I had Gary O'Donnell as well. thought um, it was a fantastic summation you did there, Scott. Uh, it was it higher than I had him. I haven't got to him yet. I know, yeah, well, is, is it higher or lower? I know you haven't got to him yet, but you've got him... I've got him. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't
0: yeah. mean he's in your list. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> true. Thirty six, number 36.
3: <laughs> I always get the higher and lower. Mess up and miss. Um But as was testament by the uh, the six top three finishes, and Roy said, uh, incredibly consistent. Um, you always knew what you were going to get from him. Very rarely played a bad game. Had a fantastic little left foot kick, and he was also, I thought, in the Joma City mould himself in that. Um, had a great touch on it um would lower the eyes and pick out targets and and very rarely wasted disposal um one thing that i wanted to ask gary i always have this memory uh, of him it was in about his sixth or seventh game i think it was i think melbourne at the mcg and up until that point i thought it was actually a bit of a turning point in your career up at that point i thought you were a, a player that play very close to your man and made sure he didn't get a kick and I distinctly remember uh, you were alone in the forward 50 and a ball came in it was a wet day and instead of uh, staying with your man you raced forward and charged at it and took it on about the uh, centre square line jumped right up and took it right by your chest and we went forward and kicked a goal and I thought that was one of the first times I'd really seen you back yourself with, uh, with, with confidence and from there on I thought you were a different player to you were in your first few days. I don't know if you can remember that at all? Not quite sure. Yeah, not quite sure. Um, It's always stuck in my mind. Uh, That that had a particular image. You know how with, um, as we were saying with Lloydy in that game against Adelaide, where he just did that special thing and you thought, well, this this is going to be a player. This is someone that's going to watch and, and he's going to be around for a long time. I remember when I saw that with you, that was exactly my thoughts. That, that that you're going to be someone special, and and as we all agree, I think you were.
0: Can I can I just mention Thank to Gary uh, just as yeah. just as you're just summing up, uh, end end of last show, I just said I'd love to ask you a couple of things about your career. Um, uh, so as you're sharing, can you also just talk about the lead up to you being captain? Was it was it an was it an obvious thing? Were you expecting to be captain? And then when you did take on the role, how did you approach it? Uh, was it from a previous mentor or did you have your own kind of idea of how you wanted to be captain? Um, it, it sort of became obvious, especially as Paul Salmon went.
1: So see bomber mid 95, uh, sort of retired. So it was just my halves myself um, and fish sort of, you know, captaining the side for the rest of the year, probably more fish, I reckon that, um, when fish went to Hawthorne, okay, it, it sort of it, it sort of pointed towards me. But yeah, you know, like it, Harbs could have done it as well. But um, mm. that's the way it way it went. Um, you know, it, it was a hell of a lot different back in those days. These days, they've got a consultant probably that comes in in the leadership area that you know runs a a, a big session or a few sessions where um, you know clubs get together and say what they want to be and what they want to stand for and their trademark and all that and who who displays those um, those trademark positives that that yeah. uh, everyone expects and that's how your your leadership group and your captain are, are voted on it sort of it's sort of become in the, in my day it sort of became yeah obviously okay he's the next next cab off the rank yeah. I would have thought uh, my was more a lead by example type um, I wouldn't expect Anyone to do what I wouldn't do, so you know it's like a, a great book, the the book Legacy about I think it's the Kerr, James Kerr wrote it about the All Blacks, and they have got a big uh, humility about themselves. Even their uh, couple of their players that are you know been international players of the year will sweep the sheds out, that sort of thing, that sort of mm. humility. I think that's mm. where I came from. So you set the standard, and as long as you've got in, integrity and you're perhaps do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. That's where you, your players can feed from that and, and you can then expect them to have the same, um, the same input. I had three captains. I had Terry Danaher, I had uh, Tim Watson, I had Mark Thompson. They were all different in their own personalities, but you take a little bit out of each of those and you, you put it into your repertoire, but you, you're still going to be yourself.
0: Did, did Sheets... Uh, have much of a mentoring role uh, with you on leadership?
1: Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have thought. I, I didn't live far from Sheep. They used to reckon I mowed lawns. He lived in Parkour. <laughs> oh, North, North Ringland. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As the crow flies, it was probably 500 metres. So D- did you mow his lawns? Uh, uh, no, I didn't. But one day I knew he had some young blokes around when I was a skipper, actually. And... um he had on a Sunday and he had, you know, a group of six or seven around his place for uh, lunch. And I put the mower in the back of my car, drove around there, and I pulled it out of the back of the car and then, you know, started at the front of his place and then started mowing up and down the, the side of the house. He's got a huge plate. and. Yeah like as if it was normal and i'm walking into the backyard and they're all on the patio on the back patio and i'm sort of looking, and then i go oh, oh as if i've been caught doing it the <laughs> yeah. best thing that could happened. so she said then he's gone oh okay stay gary stay you can stay i said no and i brought my i think two-year-old daughter with me olivia at that stage and i oh, no, i've got to get her home i've got to get her home but um yeah Thought yeah, we were pretty close. There was a few times we obviously drove from Ringwood to Essendon to training and after training, so we'd get to talk footy. Not many people would you know, get in a car like that. Dean, pa- Dean Bailey was in the car a few times as well, so the, the three of us sometimes would drive home together.
0: Well, I actually, I actually was raised uh, about 50 metres from the East Ringwood Oval. Oh, so, uh, uh, yes? So, uh, yep, yeah. On
1: Mount Long Road there?
0: Yeah, just off Dublin Road, so that's where I used to... Yep. Used to live, uh, so yeah, that's it. Was a bit of a bit of a, a recruiting, obviously, ground for Essendon at the time. So,
3: and, and of, of course. course, Gary, you also had a glittering career as a coach of the Essendon Football Club for one game in two thousand and six. How, how did that? Uh, go?
1: Yeah, yeah, one win. Uh, sorry, one game, one draw.
0: One draw, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> that was the uh, that was the Cruiser Cup.
1: Yeah, with two goals <laughs> up to and um. We're a bit stodgy out of the back half, so I'll move Ricky Dyson down because he, he used the ball okay, but he was play, playing on bets. And bets kicked the last two goals of the game to actually draw draw it up. So um, by trying to improve yourself in one area, you might you know, um, weaken yeah. yourself perhaps. But uh, yeah, that's the way it goes. But yeah, a yeah. good experience.
0: So,
1: I've just got to stand up now though. I've got a, It's really hard. i just empty my pockets. From all the urine that new blokes just <laughs> dro- dropped into it, it's, it's really hard listening to people talk. Uh, and, and it's on um, my personality, it's really hard to, to have people talk good of you. It's sort of, mm. a, it's an oh, shucks thing. It's only yeah. the last five or 10 years when people do that. I go, yeah, thanks very much for that. That's really good. Uh, um, but yeah, it, it is still a little bit uncomfortable at times. What I'm most proud about my career is that. Yeah, you know, I wasn't the, the, the greatest player ever, but I was really solid. And hopefully the difference between the worst and the best wasn't that mm. uh, far away. So you didn't sort of have big ups, upturns, and big down, big swings. You sort of played at a decent level and it sort of stayed there. And that's mm. what I'm most proud of in my career. But, you know, the blokes that have already been named uh, before me uh, and obviously blokes that are g- coming up that... Uh, you know, they just would put me to shame as far as the talent goes, but just to be in, in, you know, to be proud of a career where I think my, it just sort of went like that the whole time. There was never yep. really any big downers is what I'm most proud of. Well,
3: well yep. the fact that you're a top three in the BNF for three consecutive years really shows what the club must have thought of your performances. That's maybe, a, uh,
1: well, one of those was 89. So I oh,
3: that, 89? You know, Okay, maybe
1: if it had been in the, the '90s, I might have got you know one or two spots higher. And yeah, I reckon I've yeah. got two. Kick you know, I, kicked, I kicked 87 goals as well. I kicked 87 Indy goals in, and, uh, in
2: 12 seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, right, if you're talking I, about it, I've had enough of this. I I'm sick yep. of hearing all this good stuff about you as well, Gary. You're a right. prick of a bloke, Let's and you're go. an ordinary
3: footballer. Let's get on with it. Get on with
1: it,
0: number six. All, all right, number six. What's, what's Grant got it? Uh, what
3: did Grant
0: have at seven? Oh, he, he, was, was, uh, he was Paul Salmon, <laughs> I, I mentioned at the time. Paul Salmon, okay, yeah. Okay, All right. Sorry. Now,
2: yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, Scott. Number
0: six. Number six. For you. Number six. Uh, okay, so mine was Matthew Lloyd, uh, which we've, we've spoken about. I'm not going to say Grant's as yet because it's a new player. Uh, and just in case, obviously, one of you guys mentioned this player, it'd be probably good for you to talk about. Uh, so I'll hold off on Grant to the end just in case uh, your number six matches his. So, but I have uh, Matthew Lloyd.
2: All right. I'm tipping. Oh, yeah. No, Grant's new player could be any one of three blokes here, I reckon. Um, <laughs> I've gone at number six with the guy who, like, you know, Lucas and Lloyd were always bracketed together for various reasons. Well, how often did you hear Masiti and McCurry bracketed together? And I've gone... With Mark McCurry at number six, just a beautiful, beautiful footballer to watch. So silky, smooth mover, incredible smarts, um, and you know sometimes, well certainly as a supporter, but also as a like a professional observer, I suppose there are. There's been a, a few players during my time watching footy professionally that I've, I've watched and I've thought oh, geez, you know, there's something about this guy. And then as they go on and inevitably make it, you look back fondly on that first time you saw them. Um, now, I, I'd seen Mikuri play a bit in the twos. And um, I, knew, I knew he had something about him. But I'm pretty sure, I, I was just trying to look it up, but I can't keep this thing up there and look at my internet, unfortunately. But I'm pretty sure he made his debut in what was a shocking day for Essendon out of Princess Park against Carlton in 1992. And he I think he only got through... Have you got the stats up there, Neil?
3: Um, I'll get it in a second.
2: Yeah, well... I'm going to be embarrassed if I'm wrong, but I vividly remember this game against Carlton out of Princess Park. It was a pretty miserable day. Essendon weren't playing well. Uh, they got smashed by Carlton, but McCurie made his debut and he just did a few things through the course of that game which were just absolutely poetic, you know, brilliant balance. And this was from a first gamer. And you could just see, even at that level, he had what it took. And then, you know, that he played, what, the last five or six games of 92. And um, I think he, he might have come in a couple of weeks before both Hurdy and Mercedes, I think, who came in against uh, North Melbourne in about the third last game. But right from the start of 93, you know, they had that pretty good pre-season series, won the night grand final. And then Merckx right from the start of 93, he, he was just on, you know, and he was, a, he was a hugely important player in that 93 side in his first full year of senior footy. Beautiful kick of goal, yeah. you know, wasn't phased with anything that happened to him in the big games played really well in the finals and he just got better and better and better 99 of course was the absolute peak of his career. I mean, you know, what second or third in the Brownlow that incredible qualifying final against the Swans where he did enough in two and a half quarters of footy to be judged best on ground. And he got taken off the ground just to be protected after that, but he was still BOG. Um, one of, the, one of the most graceful, beautiful-to-watch players I've ever seen. And then, you know, unfortunately, um, it all tailed off far too quickly. And we know mm. there were soft tissue injuries. We know he had that family tragedy and, and you know, really, really sad. You know, that took a, a terrible toll on him personally. Um, but he is one of the most naturally gifted and um, greatest players to watch that I've ever had the privilege of watching. Uh, a wonderful player. Of course, he won that '99 BNF. Um, absolutely deserved it. And a really you know, huge part of two premiership sites. Just a, a fantastic player. I just wish I wish we'd seen him at his peak for a bit longer. Yeah. And if that had been the case, he would rightly be acknowledged as one of the best players the AFL has seen, let alone Essendon. So yeah. I always.
0: Huge rep for him. I always thought Rowan uh, and Gary. You sorry, you missed our '80s shows, but the way we were talking, especially yourself, was talking about Leon Baker coming onto the scene. Yeah, is probably a, a similar of how we're talking about Mercury coming, where there's just someone at just at that class that's above so many others that yeah. just sticks out.
2: Well, a lot of a lot of I mean, interest in your thoughts, Gary. A lot of similarities between them as players for me. I'd say. Uh, Merck's maybe a bit more polished looking, but Baker, uh, but the thing, they, the trait they had in common was efficiency incredible efficiency, never wasted a touch. Every decision they made was right. Um, but, you know, Leon Baker, Mark McCurry, they would be arguably, and, you know, as much as I loved Tim Watson with all my heart and I had his number on my duffel coat, but they, Baker and McCurry are uh, definitely along with Watson, the, the players I've enjoyed watching, I've heard the players I've enjoyed watching <laughs> the say, most. Yeah. And O'Donnell. a supporter.
3: Don't forget yeah. about O'Donnell. Yeah. Love, love watching him. No, I'm <laughs> greasing
2: up to him in the next show. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, no, I agree yeah. with you uh, uh, with McCurie. He's a fantastic player. Well, the other thing, really, perhaps what his best trait was for me and what really set him apart from a lot of players his size was a fantastic marking ability. Yeah. he was he really punched above his weight to be able to have someone that size who could uh, constantly take a mark in a pack and outmark his opponent uh, but also uh, able to win the ball on the ground and, and with all the great skills it was, it was oh, a fantastic player I, rated I was right
2: in. by the way I've just I've got it now his, his debut was against Carlton yeah uh, it was round 1092. And he did a handy in that game and missed about the next six weeks. Yeah. And he only had four touches, but he did enough with those touches to make me think, we've got a keeper here.
3: Yeah. I've unfortunately yep. got my keyboard plucked in a precarious position. I couldn't quite type it. I was trying to do it with a mouse, and it didn't work. <laughs> but not to worry. Um, yeah, I had Mercury um, higher uh, than that because uh, it was really about 2001 that he really started his decline. And right up to that, he was a fantastic, and he was really the best player in the team in, in ninety nine. '99. Um, Brownline medalist, I was second, second in the Brownline medal, B and F, uh, and just a fantastic player. So on these performances in the '90s, I had him uh, uh, higher, and the player I picked at number six uh, probably might get a few eyebrows here as well. Um, I based on the again the performance of on the uh, '90s, and one of the Best players ever produced by Essendon, um, in Dustin Fletcher. Um, I uh, it became a real logjam, I thought, with these top six players. The, yeah,
0: yeah. Such
3: such, such great. The talent. gap
0: is just almost zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um,
3: I think he uh, is still one of the most underrated uh, defenders that I've seen. I think if they if they, he's he's often compared to other backs in the. One drawback that he had as a, as a player was that he could get out-muscled sometimes by some of the really big, strong players, which some of the other fullbacks in players like Scarlett and, uh, and Silvani tended to do a bit better on some of the big players. But his incredible versatility and in that he could play both uh, uh, big and small. I still remember the game where he uh, lined up, which was later in his career, against Peter Matera out at, in Docklands. And, and I kept on... Uh, looking at it and saying, oh, he's a mismatch. Sheedy's made a mistake. He hasn't seen what's happening yet. He's got to uh, throw, throw somebody down there. And uh, But he, he stayed there. It obviously, it became apparent that that, that was his, uh, his man for the day, and he did an incredible job. Um, amazing speed for such a big man, and probably the best punchers of the, of the ball that I've seen. He uh, could not only get a fist in both left and right, but he'd be able to direct it wherever he wanted it to go. He'd virtually never punch it to the middle of the ground, or either go to the boundary or to advantage the team. And we were talking early on in this series about uh, the, uh, I think Rowan, you said that uh, kick it, Derek Kirk was uh, one of the best exponents of a, uh, of a torpedo on the run, and I'd go uh, with uh, uh, Dustin Fletcher, just a fantastic kick. And really, I think just about the best kick I've seen play for Essendon in that he uh, he could kick it short, he could kick it long. He was one of the few players that could consistently drill a 60-metre drop punt. And um, before the days of, of the deliberate out-of-bounds kick, he had an extraordinary ability to just have the ball roll over the boundary line uh, from a kick out of defence. It seemed like a really scrubbing kick, but he'd uh, but just get to the boundary line for a throw, and It was a, an incredible ability. Um, and uh, if we were talking about the entire career, or, or even if we were talking about 95 to 2005, I'd have him uh, probably top two. But um, I thought it was really... Not, of course, 2000 was when he uh, was best and fairest in a premiership year, and perhaps the best ever year for an Essendon team. Um, and from then on, he was great. Just up to the first few years, I thought there were occasions where his opponent—mind uh, you, there were some fantastic full forwards in those days too. So it was a—but uh, sometimes his opponent did, did get him in those years. But, but could easily have had him much higher on this list as well. Have had just just just, that.
0: just quickly, uh, Grant—that's Grant's number six—is Dustin okay. Fletcher. Yeah, he's a good so, charge, Grant. <laughs> what do you think, Rowan?
2: Um, I did my number six, didn't I? Oh, you want me to talk oh, about just,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or, unless you unless you yeah. want to talk about him next week, which is fine.
2: I think I should. Um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, there's a few bikes you guys have named this week that I intend to name next okay. week, so I might, okay. keep, my, might we'll keep, keep my powder we'll
1: dry. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'll, so I'll only be short as well because they're going to be coming up, coming up. But um, Mark McCurry, and you hit the nail on the head, Neil. Uh, he was the pound for pound. Him and Terry Dannerher. Are the two best blokes pound for pound marks I've seen. They yep. just uh, Terry played above his size as well, and Merck's. God, he really just two or three blokes on his on his tether over mm-hmm. his shoulder. He was able to hold the, the ball. Um, silky. He was. He was. He was as every bit as silky as um, Sean Burgoyne. In In mm-hmm. fact, yeah. he probably. He's he's more silky than Sean Burgoyne now. So that's a big rap.
0: Yeah. And uh
1: had a, a really good nineties situation. Yeah, well documented it dropped away but the ninety the ninety nine year was his his premier year. Fletch, obviously he'll be he'll get spoken about in, uh, next week, but he's the fattest, skinnier bloke I've ever seen. His skin <laughs> bulbs were up in he could get it up in the eighties and the nineties, so uh he loved his, uh, you, know, you know what, in the modern day, blokes on our list that are really uptight and have trouble relaxing, put them straight, sent him straight to Fletch. He was the most laid back bloke. Uh, he might have been inside, he might have been uh, nervous and uh, uptight at times, but he didn't show it. Yeah. He was a really casual sort of bloke and that, it came through in his footy. He was really clear. And calm and, and, and cool down in the back yeah. under. A lot of pressure playing on some really good players, especially early in his career. It was great, on, um,
2: that, that was great last night. So Essendon last night played the 93 preliminary final. and had Gary and Fletch tweeting on it. And uh, I'd forgotten Fletch was even on Twitter. and Because um, he's, he's pretty few and far between his tweets. So... I tweeted something at Gary, and then afterwards, Fletch said, Oh, you know, pretty good win or (laughs) whatever. I couldn't help it. I tweeted back and said, "Um, Do you think we're a chance next week? and, And how's your homework going? Yeah, you remember <laughs> that he was a seventeen-year-old uh, HSC student. Yeah, yeah well, I
3: remember the um. He actually played for Penfold Grammar, didn't he? He actually yeah. missed missed a game. He Missed a week to play for uh, to play in the grand
2: final. Grammar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. It was about about round two or three in the year, was it? Or was it? I think it was a bit later. He made his debut. He
2: made his debut in the round two round two draw against Carlton.
3: As a ruckman, if I recall correctly. He played the wasn't? ruck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, a few times. One of the things I was going to ask you, Gary, he, uh, he became famous later in his career of uh, not being the best trainer in the world and really just doing what he thought he had to do. Uh, what was he like early on? Was that
1: the trait from the beginning? Uh, look, he was always last on the track, so, <laughs> but it wasn't necessarily doing extra running or anything like that. It was Actually... You know, it was mentioned he was a very good kicker. He used to just just muck around with the footy. He just loved footy. Like he's probably first out on the track and last on last off only because he wanted to play footy. And no. um, so yeah, you obviously pick up. You know, these days on the lists or when they, when you're developing players, they call it craft. He worked yeah. on his craft for a lot longer than other blokes. And so just loved his footy and to be able to have played 400 games, amazing. Uh. He was very lucky last night though dropped the knees into Modra and he only had to be a little bit earlier and he might have got a week for it and missed the grand so, Oh, really? Uh, That's yeah, right. You're right. Just yeah. one of those silly Dustin Fletcher things where he trips yeah. or he, he, did, or he uh, yeah. throws, a, throws a coat he went, or whatever. He went, on,
2: he went for tripping several times, didn't he? Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. He missed, but he you're right. Missed I, 15, 20 just 20
2: quickly, I, I think your comment about his temperament is a really interesting uh, yeah, it's a really, really good point because we talk about his longevity and durability and um, that wiry frame obviously helped him in that regard. But I think his temperament really helped in that regard too because just mentally, you're talking about a guy that played how many seasons? Hang on, 93 to 2015 is what? 23, 23, 23, that is, yeah. That is absurd. absurd you know? and, it, yeah. And, yeah. and I think it would take a special type of person who cannot beat themselves up and play the game mentally as hard as yep. others do to be able to survive yep. for that
3: long. I think it's a really important point. And I reckon if he didn't actually get that injury, which was one of the first major injuries he'd had in in years, he never played the full 22 games, but he was always up around the 16, 17 game when he got injured that year when he was 400 and he missed the last half of the season. If it wasn't that, I still reckon he had another two or three seasons in him. I think he was, at that stage, still our, probably our best defender. I would have thought.
2: Yeah, well, that, I mean, I don't, yeah. he's got the... I don't know how... Do you know how his two boys are, are fair and Gary? I mean, uh, Mason and Max, I'm not sure how close they are. I, th- but I, think, I think Mason's... Yeah. Um, Mason's doing, not NFL. A, doing not a
0: NFL. NFL.
1: Not yet. Yeah.
2: Mason's yeah.
1: Is playing...
0: Yeah. NFL, NFL yeah, punting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he wants to be a punter. It's probably well, just
2: as it's probably just as well because well, Neil, you're a bit older than me, but having seen Ken Fletcher play, probably half his career. Yeah, I saw watching, Ken Fletcher play a bit. Having watched Dustin play all of his, the thought of having a third generation, I thought, no, nah, I'm I'm too yeah. old now for this footy stuff. Yeah. I've
3: got to <laughs> give it away.
0: Yeah.
3: No, right. no, Mason came down to training quite a few times. He was um, he probably I would have seen it maybe. 10 training sessions down at the club and uh, yeah he looked a reasonable prospect uh, tall and rangy like Dustin but uh, yeah that's what I've heard is uh, over in the NFL as well
0: trying that Can I uh, just thank everyone for joining us we've done our standard time and we (laughs) but I I really want to just thank Gary and and Rowan again for for joining us and having so much time I I realise there's a virus and everyone's homebound but it's still it's uh it's so much appreciated that you guys both you guys uh are supporting the show and coming on and, and just talking with the passion and knowledge that you do. Uh Rowan, I've I haven't said this, so I have to give my apology. Usually I on the audio podcast I say, Hey, tell us about footyology, what's coming up. So, <laughs> so can I give you thirty seconds just to to actually just talk about uh footyology so people actually understand what okay. your All what right. your product well, is.
2: Well, Footyology is my brand, I suppose. There's a Footyology website, which regularly posts articles and stuff, not just by me, but by other people as well. I do a Footyology podcast at the moment once a week with Mark Fine, my old SEN colleague. Fantastic, yep. And so tune in for that. We have a bit of fun with that and occasionally talk about the footy. And and if you're on Twitter at all, well, I basically live on Twitter these days and I'm I'm doing – Having a lot of fun at the moment. I did my top twenty albums of all time. I'm now doing my top ten AFL grand finals, which, uh, as we record this, I've done six. So there's five yeah. to go of
3: that. Um, so having a lot pick of... number one. What's that? I bet I can pick number one.
2: Well, don't. Blow my thunder, please, Neil. i have got to get people watching this. But it is—I should stress—it's a nine, its the AFL era only, so we're talking yeah, yeah, 1990 yeah. onwards. Oh, right. Okay. Um, all right. And uh, gee, there's been some corkers. So you know, look, I'm having a ball doing that. Um, jump on Twitter and. Have yep. a look and or take me on in a political debate or whatever and uh, I'll tell you where to go if your views don't agree
0: with mine. <laughs> As you should. Stick, to footy, stick to footy, Rowan. Stick, <laughs> stick to, to footy. footy. Yeah. yeah, the FRO comes out quite a lot. It uh, does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, Gary, uh, I, I'm not sure if there's anything you want to plug. Are you, are you still with Simon Black doing the footy? I work with
1: a the- Simon Black Academy, yeah, over here in Perth. So we've got academies in um, Adelaide, Melbourne, Brisbane and Perth. And I run the other one, or sorry, the one in Perth with uh, an offsider, Kelly Gibson, who's actually one of the West Coast female players. So, um,
0: okay.
1: Yeah, all going. Well, 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 pretty hard though at the moment because there's no face-to-face contact. But um, hopefully later on in the year we get back out and we can... We can um... But they do a diploma course and yeah. uh, through Torrens University online. And they get their physical conditioning and and footy education with that. How's
2: oh. uh, how's Blackie going, Gareth? Yeah, pretty good. He um,
0: was he was uh, he bit was he uh, bitter was about a Survivor? Say Survivor. So survivor. And then, uh,
1: he's uh, know, yeah, one uh, one of the best blokes you'll meet in in footy. Is, he is. Um, just a just a hell of a nice guy and uh, chasing three kids around now in isolation. Yeah, so, yeah no, he's, um, he
2: is one of the loveliest guys I've met in footy. And speaking about great play as well. Uh, yeah. In fact, that's another thing I might... I might rank my Norm Smith medalist, but it's yeah. he's going to be pretty hard to toss because the game he played in 03, I think it was 39 disposals when you guys... Yep. Uh, ripped up Collingwood. Uh, you won't see many better individual grand final games than that one. He was just an
1: absolute. It was, jet. A, it was a beauty, and it stopped Acker from winning the Norm Smith Medal as well. So it's uh, probably um, just as well. Uh, pleased please a lot of people. As well. <laughs> 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 so,
0: yeah, okay. so. Hey, by but the anyway. way, by the way, Rowan, I actually got a request from a fan uh, oh, about yeah. about your oh, show, no. about your shows. Yeah, it's just fro, yeah, but know no. <laughs> They, they, I was wondering if you would ever do a topic on and all combined on what you thought was this maybe for modern history the most underrated player, the most courageous player, uh, and the most magical player. Now he's got here the most overrated player again, but I'm probably not going to do it. But, but yeah,
2: that's funny. Someone, someone uh put on Twitter the other day, Drake found I don't know where they got it, but they it was an old yearbook from 1989, and I was one of a panel that had been asked, you know, yeah, that uh, most skillful, most courageous, most overrated, and 90% of the others had had the good sense just to leave that one blank, but stupid old -old (laughs) 24-year-old me thought, oh, yeah, I'll be correct. (laughs) Anyway, I went for James Manson then of Collingwood, um, not knowing that the next year he would, in fact, you know, play a a pretty important part in the premiership side. (laughs) Uh, mm-hmm. End up becoming a really good player And another absolutely ripping bloke So, uh, Jimmy, if you're watching this I'm really, really
3: sorry But I was young <laughs> Well, you're sorry if it drove him to such a great performance We're all yeah, sorry for that yeah. Well, yeah Let's not what? talk about that one yeah. yeah, I'd imagine that isn't in your top of your uh, great Oh, line, no, right? no, no, it's not. <laughs> That'd have
0: to be very well, close to the bottom Last thoughts, Gary I think you're about to say something No, no, no.
1: Um, uh, I think I might've got asked about 94 last show, but I'll I'll comment about 1994 next show. I reckon. Yeah. I've done a bit of research and um, it wasn't as poor compared to 93, but it wasn't as bad
0: as we think. Oh, well, that'd be interesting. Okay. Okay. Mm. All right. Thank you so much, everyone for joining us. It's very, very soon. We're going to have the top five, which will be exciting uh, of our last, I guess part four of our series and to close it off uh, big thank you again for everyone uh, to join us. Uh, yes. The, it'll come out next week. I'd say um, we'll get together sometime next week and do the, the last finale. So look forward to that. Uh, but this is the lunchtime catch up podcast signing off. And thanks to everyone.